0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Are you bored with being so proper? Do you want to have more fun? Mr. Tiger knows exactly how you feel. So he decides to go wild. So begins my favorite children's book, Mr. Tiger Goes Wild by Peter Brown. I think it's fairly recent. I read it first as an adult. I I can't begin to do justice in telling the story without the illustrations. And and I'm not going to do the full kind of Sunday, uh, nursery school walk through the book. But I do want you at least have an image of the iconography uh, with which I am working this morning. You can see Mr. Tiger, he is properly dressed in top hat and tails. We'll put that right here so that you can see it. It's the story of a very proper tiger who dresses in coat and tie, just like all the other village animals and who walks upright and sips his tea and appropriately and does everything as his society demands. Everyone was perfectly fine with the way things were. Everyone but Mr. Tiger. He wanted to loosen up. He wanted to have fun. He wanted to be Wild. He begins with a simple change in posture, dropping to all fours and then running about as tigers are are supposed to do. Now, though he kept his top hat and his dress jacket and his bow tie uh, perfectly arranged, Mr. Tiger became wilder and wilder every day, even letting out an occasional roar until the day when Mr. Tiger went a little too far. He jumped into a fountain in the center of the city and emerged without his clothes, Not a stitch of clothing on, though he was in his resplendent black and orange tiger coat. Some pretty good baptismal imagery, but I'll save that one for another day. It felt just right to Mr. Tiger. This was freedom, but not to the other animals who said, Mr. Tiger, if you must act wild, kindly do so in the wilderness. To which he replied, what a magnificent idea. And off he ran. Now, uh, if you wanted something wild, you would have shown up at 9 o'clock today when animals, dogs, cats, all kinds of things, as well as a number of screenshots uh, of animals, were were all blessed. It was was a zoo. It was wonderful. We were celebrating St. Francis, the blessing of the animals. And St. Francis had a similar origin story to Mr. Tiger. But before we get to the place where Francis, too, stripped off his clothes and ran into the wilderness to go wild, if you will, let's look a bit at his backstory. Lesser Feasts and Fasts had a pretty good insight on him when when they wrote, Francis is perhaps the most popular and admired of all the saints, but probably the least imitated. Few have attained to his total identification with the poverty and suffering of Christ. To understand Francis, To get to know who this wild man really was, we have to look past the ways that over the centuries we have domesticated him and made him precious. We know him as the lover of animals, the lover of nature, as a friend to the poor as a channel of peace and the prophet of Brother son with whom we would all love to share a pumpkin spice latte. He is all of the, well he's most of those things, he's not all of those things. Um, but his message to us is far more radical than I, I'll bet many of us realize. Francis grew up at a, at a violent in a violent time. It was one of disruption. It was one of economic change. It was in late 12th century Europe when the feudal agrarian world was giving way to city-states where a mercantile economy made some people fabulously wealthy. While many others simply grew farther and farther away from prosperity. The division between those that had and those that had not was growing ever wider. As this mercantile economy grew, those trades, pr- tradesmen, those they couldn't get into the guilds. So many people suffered, many people starved. Banking was emerging as a force. Sure, that made some things possible, but it also meant money was flowing, but big interest was being charged as well. And so in this, cloth merchants, such as Pietro de Bernadone, made a killing. This was a time when clothes made the man and money, was cash, was flowing. And so there was a fortune to be had. That was uh, Francis's father, by the way. So Francis grew up living what he thought was his best life. So every, every night, Francis would go out with his boys, with his crew, and, uh, and they'd go out, they'd have a fine, sumptuous dinner, they would drink a whole lot of wine, and then they would, uh, according to legend, commit all, not all ways, all, mem- all, all possibilities of debauchery. And at the end of every night, who picked up the tab? Francis. Because Francis was loaded. This was like that old show Entourage, where everybody sort of followed the movie star. And you know, he thought that he was living the wild life. But of course, He wasn't. And in in 1202, when Francis was 21, he went to war. When Assisi went up against Perugia, Francis was eager for glory, but things did not go his way. They lost the battle. Francis was kidnapped, and then he spent the next year in a dark dungeon. Can imagine the contrast? From going, from being uh, at the top of the world, having all the money, all the clothes, all the food, to suddenly having to be in a dark dungeon for a whole year, this was nothing short of traumatic. And it changed him. I think we all know that trauma can change us. Sometimes our lives are disrupted and we lose everything that we thought was essential to who we are. We lose everything we thought made us who we are, but then we come out the other side, and when we do, the things that were all the rage no longer make a bit of sense. And right after being released, Francis found, I I think it was an old abandoned church, but it was a church, and and he, he just crawled into it, and he slept. For days. And he prayed for days. And when he came out of that church, he had changed. And when he emerged from that church, he emerged with something new. He emerged with a vision of freedom. And then Francis went wild truly wild. I, I don't mean the performative wildness of debauchery, that, that's just domestication by another name, but the wildness of someone who has been caught up in God's love, someone who has caught the scent of true freedom and can only chase after it with his or her whole being. Francis then renounced his wealth, he renounced his family name. He threw off his clothes, literally stripping naked, just as Mr. Tiger did in the, in the fountain in the middle of town. And then he goes off into the wilderness. Now, not the far away woods, but rather he found right by the town where he was, a leper colony. And there he found a community of folk who had nothing who were truly untouchable, who were cast aside. People were afraid of them. And Francis saw in them, Francis embraced it, literally embraced them. The one thing you don't do to someone with that disease is what Francis did. And he saw in them, in these folk who had nothing, he saw the people who were beloved of God, and who were embraced by God's ravishing love. Francis then didn't just take on poverty as a spiritual practice. He fell in love with it. He fell in love with it, with the total gratitude of it, with the sheer reliance on God's goodness and mercy. Francis went wild. He discovered that fine wines and sumptuous clothes had not made him happy or free. Great wealth and the status of being able to pick up the tab whenever he wants or the privilege of committing all manner of debauchery but not being called out for it, that didn't make him happy or free. Going to battle, violence had not made him happy or free, but Francis, Saul looked at all this and he saw. He began to connect the dots and to realize that the violence of warfare and the sumptuousness of the material goods that, that made him the rich kid had a particular relationship with one another and it all conspired to keep him from being truly free and from keeping all of those who it touched from discovering this freedom as well. And Francis cost, cast all that off because he found his, that his joy was not in glory or in stuff, but in those things that, gave his, that sparked his gratitude. Brother Sun and Sister Moon were gifts of the Creator that filled him with gratitude. He was humbled and filled with gratitude to imagine that God would make him little Francis. A channel of peace and an instrument of of understanding. Even poverty filled him with gratitude because it meant that every day he could thank God for what came to him in that moment. It was all giftedness. Francis had discovered that gratitude is the pathway to freedom. Gratitude is the pathway to freedom. Francis, though, had a new crowd of people who were following him, not, not a rowdy crew who simply wanted to be near the guy picking up the tab, but rather those who saw in Francis something special, and they wanted to be a part of it. To be a mendicant who walked with Francis, though, brothers had to do something. They had to give up everything, everything. They couldn't hold on to, to anything from their old lives. They, this was to embrace the poverty that would, em, that would forge in them a daily gratitude. It was to, so that they could share in the sufferings of Christ and to be in solidarity with those poor folks who didn't have the choice to say, I, I'm going to live this life. They were, that was just their lot. Yet, yet there was a deeper reason. And this is where we see just how radical Francis of Assisi really was. Francis's insight was that property, by creating envy and conflict, was the one thing most destructive to peace in the world. Having property, he believed, meant having arms for its defense. It meant having standing armies. It meant blood feuds that we say are about honor uh, and freedom but are really to his mind about the preservation of poverty. Uh, property, But also the preservation of poverty because he noticed that while some people did just fine when nations collided, what really tended to happen is that the poor just got poorer and those without stayed without and stayed on the outside. Is that not radical? I mean, can you, can you see that one being a, a center platform of, of any political party, especially kind of the major ones? No, not at all. That's how far uh, from many of our common understandings this vision of freedom and gratitude really can be. Francis believed that property and wealth and status and violence were all bound up together. He believed that poverty and solidarity with Christ and with the poor, and a life of profound gratitude, were the only antidotes to that. He did believe that the natural world was a gift from God. He did love animals. He did love creation. He believed all these things. And he held them together through his own suffering, but through his joy as well, with a smile that always reflected a deeper and unshakable love for all that God had created. He did this. The reason why we love Francis, the reason why we know everything that Francis did, is because he was so filled with joy, and it just just infused the world all around him. When Francis came to town, it was the big show. People showed up. People did not miss that. He was courteous, he was genial, he was extroverted, he was fun. While preaching, he often danced, he would, he would weep, he would make animal sounds, he would strip down to his underwear sometimes, he would even play the zither. I have good news for you, I do not own a zither. I make no promises about the other ones. And that is why we remember him. If Francis was was just another rich kid who got religion, his insights on property and violence and and even gratitude might have faded with him. But what endured was his sense of joy and his love for all of God's creation that was rooted in, in a gratitude that infused his whole being. Francis had gone wild. He had found freedom and become a channel for sharing it with each and every one of us so that we might know that God's gift to all of us is freedom and that the pathway to that freedom is gratitude.